It's time for the Mac Geek Gab, and I, Pilot Pete, bring you this week's quick tip. When you're looking for something that has an air tag on it, you have to go into your phone and open Find My and wait, you don't. You just say, hey, S Lady. And now with the new iOS, you don't even have to say that. You just say her name, S Lady, find my wallet. S Lady, find my keys. And she starts pinging them without you having to do anything else. More quick tips like this, plus your questions answered today on MacGeekGab1021 for Monday, January 22nd, 2024. Welcome to Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in quick tips like that. Sometimes we share quick tips like that. You send in cool stuff found. Sometimes we share cool stuff found. And you send in your questions. And sometimes, hopefully most of the time, we can help answer them when we get together. Because the goal is for each of us to learn at least five new things every single episode. Sponsors for this episode include... Coda.io slash MGG, where you can sign up for free and get your uh, you can get your your docs all kind of on text and tables on one page. Betterhelp.com slash GeekGab. Yeah, I know the URL is a little different. It's fine. We put them in the show notes for you so that you can just go to MacGeekGab.com and click on them. Uh, you can give online therapy a try at betterhelp.com slash geekgab and zocdoc.com slash mgg, which is the easiest way to find a great doctor and instantly book online. We'll talk more about all of that in a few moments here. For now, here in Chile, Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in even chillier South Dakota, I'm Adam Christensen. And salutations are tooth. Je suis pilot Pete de Pelly. That's Pilot Pete in Paris, for those of you who can't get my pigeon French down. <laughs> Greetings, gents. It isn't too chilly here. We're at least above freezing, although there is snow on the ground. It's impressive. There's snow on the ground in Paris? Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. Is that atypical, or is that sort of normal? Um, no, it's, it's, it's sort of normal, but it doesn't, it doesn't stay below freezing long here. I've found that you know when it happens, it gets in the mid-30s and stays. And is windy. So, so there's that. If this were, say, t- you have an iPhone 15 Pro, right, Pete? Mm-hmm. Uh, so if this were, say, two, two and a half weeks from now, uh, you could go outside with your iPhone 15 Pro and take one of those cool, like, not quite movies for the Vision Pro, like the whole thing, and you could send it to Adam, because Adam, you ordered one of those this morning, didn't you? I I did. I had been planning for this, actually, um, one of the reasons why I did not get an iPhone 15 Pro is uh-huh. I was going to take that money and use it for this. <laughs> although I don't know how much the sting out of the the, the 4K bill that took. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> it was hard. For, for, uh, oh, yeah. Just, so, so how did the pricing work out for you? Yeah, like, it's thirty four hundred dollars. What do you mean uh, 4K? Yeah, it's still thirty four ninety nine, and then you start adding on the stuff, right? And so you get in there, and oh, guess what? There's a 256 option, which is the 3499, 256 gig storage. And then, well, do you want 512? That's another 200 bucks. Even though I could go get that for about 50 bucks, I think, just about any place else, maybe even less. I don't know. What does a 256 SSD cost these days? It's around 50 bucks, I'm imagining, I think. Yeah, or less. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 
Ah, uh, but you know, Apple, they love to charge for that stuff. And then you could go all the way up to a terabyte. And, you know, I was originally just going to go with the base model. And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to be buying like every version of this thing. So like my option to upgrade is not going to be like, I'm not spending another four grand next year for the two or whatever, or two years, whatever it is. Yeah, right. So I need a little longevity. So I get, I wanted to give myself a little headroom. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'll take the middle tier. You know, and then um, you got tax, but then the super sting really was the Apple Care. I, I didn't do my research. Had I done this ahead of time, I would have known and been prepared. But four ninety nine for Apple Care Plus. Whoa, twenty four ninety nine a month, which I went with the monthly option. You know, because that allows you to continue till you don't want to pay it anymore. Yeah, right. Um, and you know, with that the price on that device and the amount of technology that's in there. It's like, yeah, I, I need to have Apple care plus on this thing, especially in a V one product. Right. So if there's any kind of defects or any other things, I just don't want to deal with it. Yep. So yeah, I think you get a year on the hardware out of the box, but still it's just like, I'm planning on having this thing for a long time. It's sort of like, I look at it like I never bought like really high end Macs for myself. Like, I always was kind of I, I MacBook Pros, but you know, kind yep. of lower middle tier. Never went for like a Mac Pro or a Mac Studio or like anything crazy. So this is my foray into the uh, you know spatial computing technology. Yeah, and, I'm. Uh, I'm curious what like what are you what what drove you to buy this? Like what 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 are you going to use it? But for like, I'm I'm just curious. Yeah. So the number one thing is, you know, I'm very interested to just use this, see if I can use it as on a daily basis for my work, for doing programming and development work, right? The idea of having basically infinite desktop is very appealing to me yeah. as a developer and a programmer. You know, I have two screens now. I've wanted bigger ones for a while. I haven't invested in those. So that's another place. Like I have really just bare bones screens. I don't have five. I don't even have 4K screens. I have just regular screens okay so yeah um you know i'm looking to see if that experience works out it'll be interesting to see with the weight and all that stuff how that how that pans out but that and then you know i like i like entertainment and watching movies and stuff like that so <laughs> i think that is going to be my other big use case is just entertainment consumption um you know i i'm frankly the only person in my house i think that actually watches tv like on the tv Right, you've said that. Yeah, yeah. Everybody else Everybody just watches else on their just phones uses or whatever. Their phone. <laughs> their phone. Yeah. So, but I like to sit in the living room and watch a TV. So now I guess I can sit anywhere I want and watch my big screen giant screen, with the great yeah. audio, <laughs> and have that that experience. So I don't, you know, I really don't know. I don't know where developers are going to take it. I'm just excited to try something brand new. I I think you know it's been years and years and years. I was going to even comment, you know, like. I'm seeing iPhone 16 programmers right now, right? And and the iPhone has gotten, unfortunately, just kind of tired. I mean, it's where it is in the cycle. I mean, we've been through so many generations of this, but like, it's a recycle of rumors. Like, I think the rumor was, next iPhone's going to have two terabytes of storage. Well, we've heard that rumor for like five years. You're right. Right. You're like, yeah. so what? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So just excited to try something new and be, I, you know, again, I've never jumped in on the full cutting edge, even with the original iPhone. I did not buy the original iPhone. It was through the generosity of a listener that I ended up with the original iPhone. Oh, interesting. They, he, 
they wanted me to discuss the iPhone, and I was just like, I can't pull the trigger on what was it? It was like eight hundred. Oh yeah, it was a lot. Like yeah, three hundred bucks, like right after it launched, and there was no subsidies. It was like eight. I can't remember the original price. I want to say it was around eight hundred bucks, and then they dropped. But remember, or, you could get four, eight, or sixteen gigabytes if you really pulled the trigger. Right? Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just excited to like see what this is all about and see if Apple really pulled it off. And, and you know, it's had nothing but rave reviews in the media from the people who've tried it. So I'm just very excited to kind of be on that. But really, the use case is. Because of the battery life, it'd be, you know, I can be tethered here in my office. I can have it plugged in just yep. right into power and use it for as long as I want to use it for, as long as it's comfortable. And I'm really curious to see how long it's comfortable. I've heard people say even after a couple hours, it can get a little bit heavy, but we'll see. Well, I'm I'm glad that you've, t- I mean, it, you've taken a leap here, clearly, uh, it, you know, it, and it's a leap you don't normally take. It's not just like in your wheelhouse to do this. So I'm. I'm I'm stoked to hear I, I like I, too, have heard the opinions of folks that have used it. Most of those are, quite frankly, more like me, where they just take the leap anyway, every time, no matter what. Um, I'm really eager to hear your take on this because, because you're not like that. I, I did a typically I did not order one this morning. Uh, I, I I I don't I. F- I believe it would wind up collecting some dust for me, given how I work and what I what I do for work and what I how I engage like we do. My wife and I do watch TV together at home. So like I'm not on the road as much as I used to be. So which is where I think I would probably get the most use out of it. I think this is perhaps the perfect hotel room computer because you can bring a big monitor with you anywhere you want to go and it doesn't take up the space that a big monitor would. So there you go. Now I've got a justification. There, yeah. Sorry, Pete. I, I'm a couple hours yeah. too late here. We are recording this on Friday the 19th. Just uh, so you know, but yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm, I'm eager and I may I, like, like many things in my life, I may realize, Oh, I, I made the wrong decision and then I'll buy one. And then, you know, that's fine. But uh, Pete, did you, did you get one or no? Or did you order did one not. yet? And like yeah. you said, I, my concern is that, uh, you know, I, I was down in the basement. We're getting ready to move in the spring, and I was down in the basement cleaning out a bunch of stuff. And I've already got some very expensive dust magnets I've discovered. Uh, and and that is actually one of my concerns is the same thing, Dave, that this may not be used as much as, as a $3,500. No, <laughs> $4,000 piece of gear would yeah. require. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I... I really want one. I really, really want one. I could justify maybe fifteen hundred, maybe two thousand. So hopefully, you know, like all tech, it's got to come down in price. But it will, you know. Yeah, and this is the 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 Vision Pro, or as as they yeah. want us to call it, the Apple Vision Pro. I, somebody texted me that last night because I asked yeah. about the Vision Pro, <laughs> and I said, look, you know. If Apple either buys my company or or writes my paycheck, I'll call it what Apple wants me to call it, and they know how to find <laughs> me. But I, I I don't know that the price is going to be something they want to pay. Uh, but it, it, like th- this is the pro version of this product. Yeah. Right. What's the non pro version going to look like in terms of features and price and all that stuff? So. Yeah, yeah. I I mean I'm concerned about it eventually becoming a. a 
you know, very expensive paperweight as well. Like that's in the back of my mind. Like this is an experiment. It could totally fail. Like it could, they, this could be the only one ever made. You know, I don't yeah. think that's going to be the case. I agree. But Apple's done that before. I mean, the, I mean, the HomePod's back, but the original HomePod was like, oh, that didn't work. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, they just yeah. killed it off, or you know, there's lots of things that have been killed off after one generation. So that was interesting. That now that you mentioned that HomePod too, that's one that you know was here and went away, and then they did the mini, and but not very much uh, uh, hoorah about it. You know, it was just yeah. all very quietly done. Yeah, so, yeah. So that um, could happen. But, just real quick on the buying experience, that was yeah. super smooth. I, I'll just tell you that. Like. Um, I had a little bit of issue just because it was early in the morning and I didn't have like all the lighting on in the house, but basically I did it through the, through the app. It looks like you could do it, you know, through your Mac and then it'll go connect to your phone. I'm use I'm assuming using the uh, continuity features, but basically the first step was scan your, scan your head. And that was kind of like the Siri process where you hold out your phone in this instance, you would look left. Oh, the face ID process, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you didn't do the head circle thing. You just did each direction and you had to do that twice. So I had a hard time getting that registered at first, but I eventually got that through and it went fine. And then it asked all the questions about, you know, do you wear glasses? Do you wear contacts? All the prescription, you know, and I had my prescription ready, (laughs) you know, so you do, you do need to upload your prescription, I guess, after you do your ordering. So they'll let you go through the ordering and then I guess you have to, upload. I, I didn't have to go through that process because I ended up finding out that if you use contacts, um, one, you don't, depending on, you know, how your eyes are, this is sure, all sure. caveat, but I have, you know, normal contacts, um, not monovision ones or anything like that. So I just have standard contacts, no cosmetic contact stuff or whatever. Um, so you can just use the Vision Pro with your regular contacts. Now, I also um, need a little bit close-up stuff for my computer stuff. So with that, I'm just getting the regular like reader inserts, like 1.0 power reader inserts. So I'm, I, w- I went that route rather than going with the prescription lenses. I had my prescription ready in case I wanted to get prescription lenses and not have to use contacts. But that's the route I ended up going because I think that's going to work better for me because that way... Um, for normal viewing, I could just wear my contacts and, you know, watch movies and see the distance stuff. And then for my computer work, I can use the, the reader inserts because I have computer glasses or whatever. So I went that route. So that was, that was really smooth. Other than the fact that I didn't, I didn't see the question that said, oh, if you're using contacts, do you want to use contacts with readers? And so there was a button for that. I missed it. So I was already down the ordering process. I'm like, wait, it never asked me asked me when I want to get the reader inserts. So I completed my order. Um, and the facial scan is so that they can get you the right light seal and all that stuff. That So it, it like registers okay. your face and it sets all that stuff up. So they're like, I'll just go back and, you know, order the reader inserts separately. So unfortunately, when I went back to do that, it wanted to do a face scan again. And I guess if you have the reader lenses, there's an adjustment in terms of the light seal, they recheck the light seal. And so there's all kinds of different light seal numbers. It's like a two number plus a letter. So when I ordered it without the inserts, it was like 21 W. And then when it rescanned my face, it's like a 23 C or something like that. So I had to get a new light seal. The light seal is 200 bucks. Oh, Ooh, that stings. Yeah. So everything on this is separate. So I don't know if I'm going to really need both, if I'll be able to send the one back, but it sounds like 
different light seal when you've got the inserts in versus when you don't, at least according to the face scan it did. So we'll see, yeah. you know, when it all comes. But yeah, just be prepared Can't for that. Can't you just turn so. out the lights in the room? You know, you, or you, you could have just asked in uh, – in in our Mac Geekab Discord at macgeekab.com slash Discord because Warren said, Adam, I knew you were a 23C. So there you go. <laughs> oh, boy. There you go. Actually, I, I have a question that came up in that. So you talked yeah. about using the app in the phone and then doing the Mac, and it'll, it'll talk to the phone. What if you're an Android user? Can you not use the Apple Vision Pro? Is it dependent on iOS or Mac OS? Or maybe you have to I go to the Apple Store. Imagine and you'd have to go to the Apple Store and have them do it for you, yeah. And I, I wonder, how, like, percentage... I know there's going to be a lot of people where the, the process you went through this morning and just described works totally fine, and then there's going to be some people for whom they get their thing and it's completely the wrong fit. I'm wondering what the, the success percentage is going to be like comparing that of people who did it at home, like everyone had to this morning versus people who go into the Apple store and actually get fitted for it there. I, I'm, I'm curious. Like I, I don't really necessarily have a, a guess as to which one's going to be better I, because I'm going to guess. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to, I'm going to guess the genius is going to take their iPhone and do the and same, do the process, same thing. And do the same thing. Right. It's going to say yeah. 21C it, or whatever. Yeah. And yeah. I, that, I, that's kind of why I'm, I'm curious because I've had, I've never, obviously never been scanned for a uh, vision pro, but I have been molded and scanned and all of any way that you could be fitted for things that go inside your ears, like in-ear monitors or, or, or ear plugs that are custom fitted, all of those things. I've, I've had every method done to me. I've had it done with an iPhone where it, it's using the, the face ID scanner to, to do that. I've had it done with a, uh, you know, with the, the goop that they pour in your ears. And then I've also had it done with a, a like bespoke, 3d scanner that's presumably quite similar to whatever the scanner is on the iphone and the success of those is equal it's not yeah. none of them is perfect by the way <laughs> you know so, and and i guess right. I, the advice that i can extrapolate from those experiences and share with everyone here is this is while not a custom fit product it is a tailor fit product and like my in-ears, and I advise people with this all the time, it's the same advice. If you get it and the fit is not 100% absolutely perfect for you, call the manufacturer, a.k.a. Apple, and have them fix it because they want you to have a good experience with this. That's the whole yes. point of this. And also, you want you to have a good experience with it. So don't be afraid whether it's a Vision Pro or custom fit earplugs or whatever, like make sure it's perfect. And, you know, you'll probably need to try it four or five times before you know that it's not perfect because it's going to be different than the, fir the first time you put it on because you've never used it before. But g give yourself permission, you know, a few days in, a week in to say, yeah, nope, I... I know this was weird the first time I put it on, but now it's not weird anymore. It's just uncomfortable. And now I've got a full-on hot spot on my forehead. Or, exactly. Right. Yeah. 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 So, so that would that would be uh, that would be my advice. Well, I'm eager to uh, to yeah. hear when when you get it, Adam, and uh, and and obviously we'll talk about it here on the be a lot of, on the show. Yeah. Sorry, going to be a lot of learning. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, folks, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Look, around New Year here, it's easy to get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right, right? About a year ago, I actually started back into therapy for the first time in several decades, and it has been fantastic for me. It's nice to really just have someone I can talk with on a regular basis, kind of process all those things that are going on in life. And it really can be helpful. At least it has been for me. So if you've been thinking about starting therapy, well, give our sponsor BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and perhaps even the best part, suited to your schedule. We all know how difficult it is to get things into our schedules these days. And I love it when there are services that we can use that really cater to that. All you do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So you start out, you got to find the right one. It's really important to have somebody that you're comfortable talking with. And that's one of the beauties of BetterHelp is they let you switch. If you try somebody out for, you know, a week or two and realize, yeah, this isn't really the right thing for me. I need somebody a little bit different. Boom. You go back and you find somebody new, right? Celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit BetterHelp.com slash GeekGab today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash GeekGab. And our thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's, uh, I know we started the episode with quick tips. Let's, let's, let's resume doing quick tips, shall we? Ben uh, shares a, an, an interesting one here for us. And uh, it came out of a question that was posted in our Discord where somebody says, once in a while, I want to open a folder in the app library, but usually I cannot do it on either my iPhone or my iPad. Once in a great while, whatever the magic tap is, I can do it and the folder opens. But most of the time, either nothing happens or I unintentionally open one of the apps. And listener Ben commented uh, in our Discord this magic way of doing it. And the trick is when you have a folder in your app library, if it has four or less in it, you can't open the folder because there's no reason to the folder is you are seeing the full contents of the folder. But a lot of times when there's more than four, what you'll see is three large icons and then a bunch of smaller icons representing the apps that are not being sort of highlighted, if you will. Tap on the group of smaller apps. This causes the entire folder to open up so that you can see all of the apps on equal footing. And it's magic. Like I've fought with this for years. I just, I, I didn't think it was possible. And, uh, and then thankfully we now know that, uh, that it is. So thank you for that, Ben. Great, uh, great stuff. Yeah. You want to take us to Todd? Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. You want to take us to Todd, Adam? Yeah. Todd says, hey, I use CarPlay a lot to read text messages back to me while driving. Just notice that Siri will now tell you there's an image attached and then describe what is in the image, such as open refrigerator with multiple items or person holding a dog. And yeah, this is an amazing new feature in Siri. I'm assuming it uses all the you know image AI that is uh, built into iOS now. And it's really, really cool. It makes it a lot safer also, when you're getting a text message in the car, uh, very, very cool. 
Um, so if you haven't experienced that, it's great. Um, I wrote Todd back because this is also a feature in the magnifier. Um, it has a really cool thing uh, where you can turn on image descriptions and you can point your phone around the room and it will start describing things to you. You have to enable it. Um, and uh, wow. But once it's on, it's really cool. And it can do things even... It's, it's kind of like an accessibility feature too because it can do things like detect doors and tell you where a door is and what kind of handle it is and how far away it is um, if you have the LiDAR features on your iPhone. So that's a lot of fun to play around with too. It, I, I That's dug mind it. blowing. It is. Have you played with it yet, Pete? I have not, dude. When I saw you, I feel like such a luddite. <laughs> well, you're only about 24 hours behind me, Pete, because I oh. didn't know about this until Adam mentioned it in the reply yeah. that I saw when I was prepping yeah. the show yesterday, and I was like, "What?" And but you have to go into Magnifier Apps Settings. There's like a little, yeah. uh, you know, Settings widget or whatever. And you've got to enable the point and speak thing and all of this. But then once you do, it is magical. I, like I, it, I, it lets you do all the cool things that you'd ever want to do to demo. I can see where, especially, you know, from an accessibility standpoint, there's a lot of benefits here, but it's just cool. Like I, I had no idea that I could, like you can point it at, uh, like direction or like like instructions and it will extrapolate things out. You can do this thing where you point your finger at, yeah. you hold your phone like, you know, arm's length away-ish from whatever you're trying to read and you tap the, the text that you want to read with your finger and the phone focuses in on that blob of text. Yeah, yeah. It's it, like, as I'm describing it, it's uh, it's hard to it's hard to describe. You got to play with this. It's really I I was stoked. Yeah. About this. Uh, whoa, you know you you know there's big brains working this stuff at yeah. Apple. That is astounding. When you think how difficult it is to get a computer to do something like that, I I think I mean yeah. it's crazy. You know, it's not like say, this is a doorknob. It's a no. lever doorknob. It's a round. It's a round knob. Or here's some text I want to focus in on, and that it knows that you know it's able to. De- Derive. That's what you're trying to figure out. Yeah, that's yeah. Wild. It's wild. Oh, I am stoked to try this. Yeah, yeah. You just turn it on, and then like once you enable the mode, there are five different things you can have it do. There's the point your finger at the deal, and and it'll do the thing for you. And then there's text detection where it starts to just like if you point it at at text, it it shows you it's reading of that text on the screen just in real time as you're just kind of doing stuff almost like the translate app does but this isn't sure. translating it it's just showing you in english um and then there's image description so i don't know what happens if i point this at the screen it's a screenshot of a computer screen uh a screenshot of a website with text and images and a group of people on it is what it's saying as i'm showing like the screen that we're recording on here yeah <laughs> right. And then, like, if you aim it at the door, let's see, can I aim it at the door here? Yeah, it says uh, one door nine feet away, and it's getting confused. <laughs> like, yeah, it will tell you, like you said, Adam, it'll say, you know, and the handle's on the right, it swings in or it swings out. Yeah. It's crazy. And or then there's, a, go ahead. Like, my house has the, you know, the 
lever handles versus okay. the knob. So yep. it'll describe the type of handle even so that you know. Yeah. Oh, man. I got to move to lever handles yeah. in the house. I love those. Those are much nicer than the knobs. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I guess we did move to them in the house. I, I just need to in the office here. All right. Upgrades. As yep. if I need to do so, more upgrades. But I didn't buy, really I didn't cool. spend 4K on a Vision Pro. So that's like extra <laughs> money, isn't it? Extra money for him. Yeah. Is that, do we get to call that nerd math? I think we get to there call that nerd math. Yeah, I didn't Dave, spend... you and I just made $4,000 each this month. That's exactly right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think that's oh, nerd math. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard of girl so, math. I've even heard some people say boy math, but I'm not exa- I, I'm not entirely sure on the definition of these things. But this, this Well, there's is public math, math, which pilots never try to do. <laughs> right, well, that's right. <laughs> I have a feeling your so. day job requires more math accuracy than mine even pete yeah often it does yeah. uh, but you try you try to never do it in your head while describing it to the guy sitting next to you unless you really do enjoy <laughs> embarrassing moments that's uh, fair that's fair that's fair but yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah, I'll uh, give you yeah that. mainly you that. but it's funny how you real quickly you know how how everything is with the clock divisible by six and that sort of thing. So if I look at 540, I know I'm doing nine miles a minute because 54 is divided by six, nine yeah. times. You know, that's the sort of thing. So those sorts of things you quickly get. And people are always amazed by that. And you say, no, if 420 is uh, seven miles a minute. Right. Because you're just you know, dividing by... Uh, by nine and six divide by six. Divide by the, six, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah. there's the zeros that you're chopping off. But yeah. yeah. So 600 knots is 10 miles a minute. 10 miles yeah. a minute. And that's that's yeah. like when you're flying a plane, that's important information to be able to sort of extrapolate Yes, quickly. how many minutes away from how my next m- waypoint. Yeah. Right. I'm 80 miles away. How long is it going to take me? Uh, 12 minutes and change. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. So. Huh. But there's public math. There's public nutshell. math. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah. So I tried this thing. I pointed the phone at myself. It's this de- devilishly handsome pilot who knows all things Mac. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Pete. <laughs> yep. It, I think there's an Apple store in Paris. You better take that thing in. There's something wrong with yeah, it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We're having fun. Uh, you want to yeah. take us to our next quick tip, Pete? I can do so. Uh, McKenzie wrote in and said, I wanted to correct something you all said about messages at the opening of 1020. Messages can, in fact, send audio message to anyone, including SMS, and they will receive it and be able to play it. Because we were thinking that you couldn't send it to someone with uh, some of the lowlifes with an Android phone. Sorry, just kidding. Don't send me any email. You got an Android phone. I get it. So you can send a a voice message to somebody. And the way to do it is when you're in messages next to the text box, the text entry box, there's a little plus sign. And you tap that little plus next to the window. If you press and hold it, you're going to get photos to select. But if you just tap it, uh, in my phone, it's about five apps down. It says audio. It, when you tap audio, it starts recording right now. It doesn't bring up, you know, get ready to record or anything like that. As soon as you press audio, yeah. it's recording. Speak your message. And when you're done, there's a little stop button on the right. You hit stop, and then you have to send it. Once you send it, there's a little thing that says keep it underneath, a little small button underneath the voice message that you sent. I don't know how long it lasts. If you don't tap keep it, does it go away after a certain amount of time? Je ne sais quoi. But... <laughs> Well, that's, I don't know why, 
je ne sais pas. I do not know. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I don't know how long if you don't select keep it, but yeah. I do know that uh, you can select keep it if you want to keep that message uh, in legacy in there. So, nice. Um, so that was pretty cool. Thanks for that. Uh, thanks for that update, McKenzie. So we appreciate that. Yep. It's yep. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. One more quick tip left. Uh, Drewski. Yep. yep. Drewski. I got Drewski. He says for years, I or they say for years, I've suffered from an apparent, an apparent birth defect known as lazy shift finger, whereby my pinky finger lingers on the shift key while my other typing fingers have moved on to the second letter of the word. Having no solution other than slowly retyping the overcapitalized word, I wrote an email pleading for an MGG intervention. But right before sending, I went exploring and found that the setting has that is oh so intuitively located at system settings, accessibility, keyboard, keyboard settings, input sources, edit. <laughs> it's a setting called capitalize words automatically. I interpreted that as capitalize the first letter of a word in a sentence when you forget which in fact it does, but I threw caution, caution into the wind, clicked the switch to enable, and voila! No more capitalizations, even if the word is mid-sentence. My shift finger is still lazy, but my typing no longer reveals it. And just as an aside, this doesn't apply to typing numbers and characters, however, but as those are few, like extra, um, you know, you come with commas, parentheses. I'm so bad at grammar. I'm, I've, you know, like extra characters Apostrophes, there. Apostrophes, yeah. Apostrophes, yes, yeah. that's what I want to say. Um, he says, I will just add those as text replacements in the keyboard settings, which that's another tip I think we've discussed in the past, where if you have common, common misspellings that you just do because you mistype things, like for me, it's download. I, for whatever reason, swap the A and the O. I just put that in as a, the, the bad version of it and as a text replacement in the keyboard replacements and it automatically gets fixed. So it fixes my bad yeah. typing. But he says, hope that helps someone afflicted like me. So great tip. Um, for those other characters, uh, I'll just add something you might want to play with, Drewski, is slow keys in the accessibility settings. So if you go to system settings, accessibility, keyboard, slow keys there's a setting that adjusts the amount of time between when a key is pressed and when it's actually activated. There's a little slider. And so if you linger on keys, you could adjust that and that might help. Interesting. Okay. I've got a quick question on this and I only found this out recently in a, in a WhatsApp text group that I'm in. Have, uh, I was thinking that, have you guys heard of the sarcastic mode? What's this? Oh, oh no. No, 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 I'm serious. I'm, and I'm, I swear to God, I'm, not, I'm being totally serious. It's when someone wants to express sarcasm, it's like every two or three letters or every other letter is capitalized in, in a word. And I'm going, so this guy's always being sarcastic is what it appears to be if in the, in the previous case. Have you heard of that? Apparently not. No, oh, is that that's like all caps yelling? Yeah, well, instead, yeah, all caps is yelling, but sarcastic mode is like T capital H, I capital N, K. Oh. oh. So, so I've never you're trying that. to express sarcasm, like I think this is a great idea. You know, <laughs> okay. Um, you do mixed casing in your yeah. Mixed case is is sarcastic. I'd never heard of that until about two weeks ago. So I was I was just thinking, well, you know, maybe uh, maybe Drewski was always being sarcastic. I'm, I'm, 
All right, look, you know how it is. You have a team of people, you're working on a thing together, and you need to keep everyone on the same page. Well, our sponsor, Coda, lets us keep everything on the same page, literally, by bringing together the best of documents, spreadsheets, and apps into one platform. Coda stops you from ping-ponging between different tabs and tools. Coda has been amazing for collaborating with some of my remote colleagues, and it really helps centralize all of our processes and shared knowledge. Now is the perfect time to get started with Coda, especially its extensive planning capabilities. Because with Coda, you can stay aligned by managing your planning cycles and everything in one location. And then you can set and measure those objectives and key results, you know, the ochres, with full visibility across teams, communicate and collaborate on documents roadmaps, and just the stuff that you need to work together with other people on instantly. You can access hundreds of templates and get inspired by what others have done in the Coda Gallery. If you want a platform that empowers your team to collaborate effectively and focus on shared goals, you can get started with Coda today for free. I know. Head over to coda.io slash MGG. That's C-O-D-A dot io slash mgg to get started for free coda.io forward slash mgg and our thanks to coda for sponsoring this episode all right let's do some questions here ken has our first question he says it appears that i've gotten caught by gmail i had to change my google password which went well uh, on my iphone and ipad but not on my m2 macbook air running mac os sonoma after changing the password on the mac i received an error in apple mail which i use for gmail after consulting google i wound up deleting the account for mail and then attempting to re-enter it when i did that i encountered the error that uh says something to the effect of the server cannot process the request because it's malformed. It should not be retried. This is a Safari window that pops up when mail's trying to do Google's OAuth authentication. The next Google search I did showed that I was not alone. I followed some suggestions, which included clearing Safari's history and cache all to no avail. Uh, he says, uh, I'm still in the middle of MGG 1017, where Dave mentioned, you, you mentioned the concept of using a third party app for Gmail. So I downloaded easy mail, which seems to be working. That being said, I think I would still rather use Apple mail. Do you have any suggestions for solving this weird login authentication problem? I'm not bound now a bit nervous about using Gmail for my user ID on various accounts that involve two factor authentication. I was thinking about creating my own domain and using Fastmail for these. Would you mind sharing your thoughts on that too? Adam, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, that's frust very frustrating. And the, the issue he's describing, it looks like um, there's been instances where like OAuth 2 doesn't work on older Macs. I don't think that's the case here because he has a, you know, a brand new Mac. Uh, for older Macs, the trick would be you'd have to go in um, to your iCloud account, or your Google account, rather, yep. and you can create a app, what's called an app password that doesn't require two-factor authentication, uh, you know, the OAuth thing. But because he's on a newer Mac, what it looks like to me is that that pop-up window that comes up, which is Safari, but it's like in its own kind of instance. So when you're trying to log in, it tries to go to Google and do the two-factor OAuth thing, um, I noticed that window 
was a private browsing window. So one thing I thought was that maybe it's the private browsing that's getting in the way. And it may be related to some of the changes Apple made to private browsing. Because I, I think oh. now Safari, if you've had a private browse, browsing session before and you relaunch Safari, I think it goes back into a private browsing session again. Um, there's a setting in Safari you can do to change that. But I would make sure that you know, launch Safari and make sure Safari is set up to open up in a non-private browser window because I'm guessing it's blocking some things and Google's like, I don't know what's going on. So that was my theory on it. Oh, interesting. Yeah, well, when I saw the private browsing window, I thought that that was intentional by mail to not inherit any given, any logins that and cookies that might exist and just have a sort of, uh, it, it blank slate of Safari to take you to log in to this account for mail. But it's instead of it opening, a, you know, a window inside mail, they just invoke a, a private window in Safari because why reinvent the wheel? That was my interpretation of it. And I but I, but I've seen this go both ways. So you might be right. I, you know, I we all kind of bring our own assumptions to the table when we when we see these right. things and it there's no way of knowing which one of us is correct so yeah uh, that, but, but uh, uh my thought is if safari if you clear all that out and safari still isn't the right thing temporarily change your default browser to chrome or something and try to let mail reauthenticate because there might be who knows? There might be some setting in Safari that is spilling over to private mode. If if my interpretation is right, that's still causing trouble. I don't know. What, what were you going to say, Adam? Uh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, that uh, you know, it sounds like there's there's another option. Um, just in general, on this with browsers and stuff like that, recently, especially Safari, with the number of security privacy things Apple has added, which I am very appreciative of. Yeah. Um, I run into this a lot more now where certain websites, certain things like um, I have my, um, uh, the plumbing company that I do work with has a way to pay online. Okay. But that will not work in Safari anymore because of their, whatever they're doing with privacy and stuff like that. Mm. So like I have to make sure I open that in Chrome or some other browser, uh, you know, again, not really happy about probably what it's doing behind the scenes. Yeah, right. That's just the way. But it's yeah. something for people to know. Like, this is just generally a good tip. If you run into a website where it's not working in Safari, try another browser. That's just a good general tip. And it might work someplace else. Just be aware that yeah. <laughs> you might also be having your privacy invaded. Yeah, right. <laughs> so there is a thing that's happening this year. Adam, you suggested using what Google calls their app specific passwords for less secure apps or LSA right. in Google parlance. I believe if you are using one of those for a Gmail account, so a, like a, an account that is at gmail.com, I believe what I'm about to share does not affect you, but I've, I've put a link in the show notes for this just in case. But if you are using a Google workspace account, and and you might even have one of these as a legacy from your personal domain or something when they were free, or maybe you're paying for it, but it's where you use Google's mail services for uh, your, your own domain, whether it's for work or personal, it doesn't really matter. If you're doing that, starting uh, this fall, 
you will no longer be able to log in with those app-specific passwords. And starting in June, you will no longer be able to create those app-specific passwords. The options will go away. Um, if you're doing this, you probably got an email from Google recently. I certainly did uh, because I'm doing it with one of my uh, with one of actually with one of my MacGeekab.com things. So uh, we need to, you know, those of us that are in this boat need to figure out how to get around it because there was there were a lot of things, especially like with mail, where life was simpler with a, a less specific password or less secure password or whatever it is. The yeah, well, and password. then it becomes a problem with two-factor authentication. Do you have to turn that off just to be able to continue to use the Apple Mail client? No, no, into- no. This is the this is Google enforcing the two-factor authentication. Yeah. Is is what's happening here. They are enforcing that you must log in via their OAuth system, not with, you know, you can have right now these less specific apps mean uh, and, and app or less, less secure apps and app specific yeah. passwords. This is like trying to do public math. Um, the, the idea is you normally would log into Google with your OAuth thing and, and the two factor and all of that stuff. But there's some apps like say an IMAP email client where the only thing you get to put in is a username and password. There is no opportunity to log in with, with OAuth like mail actually lets you log in with OAuth. That's what this whole problem is about here. Uh, And Adam's solution was create the app specific password and bypass Google's OAuth. If you have a Google app for domains or Google workspace or whatever, you can't do that later this year. Yeah, just okay. a, that's a PSA. That's a PSA. That's right. Yeah, it's it's just related because you brought it up. That's all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just on the OAuth thing too, Pete. Like, if you have a client, like I, I'm going to go check now. I didn't know this was going on, Dave, because I think I'm using app specific passwords for Fantastical right now. I don't okay. know if it's still required or not. But I would encourage anybody who, if you have an app like this that's not supporting OAuth email your developer and yeah. ask them because OAuth support can be added to an app. It, you know, I want to ask you about that. Like as a, as a, a person who writes code for a living, like how, how good are the libraries that, that companies like Google offer? And, and the, the corollary question is how difficult would it be for any given programmer in general to add this to their app if say Fantastical doesn't already support it, my guess is it probably yeah. does. But but yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of libraries out there. As a matter of fact, I was going and looking. I'm actually having to do this for the one that's really difficult is sign in with Apple. Like they have <laughs> OAuth Plus. It's yeah. like there's all kinds of extra steps. You've got to support Mail Relay. You've got to do a bunch of extra things. But like standard OAuth two stuff is pretty standardized at this point. I don't know about swift but i would assume there's a library already there for it or somebody's written a lot there has to be for any other programming language php uh uh, javascript you know like everything has you can find a library and you know it's it's complicated but it's not impossible you know like it's been around long enough that that was my you presumption. Be able to support it, yeah, yeah, like a week's worth of work or less, maybe to implement OAuth. I think it probably depends on your app and, and what you're doing. Fair, but yeah, it shouldn't be super, super hard at this point. It's not a six month project. 
for yeah, for so. most people, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Again, I don't know how everybody's asterisk. Well, of course, I'm, I'm asking you to generalize. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. If you got a bunch of legacy stuff you're doing weird, who knows? But yeah, for standard like login, it's become pretty, yeah, pretty standardized. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. All right. I just I was confused because that's what I use for for like BusyCal, and I'm pretty sure my mail client on my phone still uses an app specific password. I don't think I've ever changed any of that. Yeah, and as long as it's an at gmail.com account based on the – let me read the language. Starting in fall okay. of 2024, less secure apps, third-party apps, or devices which have you sign in with only your username and password will no longer be supported for Google Workspace accounts. They're not yeah. saying Google accounts. They're saying Google Workspace, and Google Workspace yeah. is when you're using your own domain like that right. effectively. You know, it's a simple and I have one of those, you know, I and mean, that's yeah. the main, yeah, of course, so, my main one, <laughs> my domain. <laughs> when I got so, the email from Google yesterday or day before, whatever it was, it was, hey, here's this thing that's happening. Here's the timeline, the one that I shared earlier. Yeah. And here's a text file listing all of the accounts in your domain oh, okay. that suffer from this problem. And so like we each have email addresses at MacGeekCab.com, right? You know, sure. and, and, and feedback at and premium at, and all of those are, are, are considered email addresses. Of course they, they listed one for me and it, it was mine. So, uh, you know, and I'm the admin of the domain. So that's why they sent the email to me. So it, like you guys don't have to worry about your MacGeekCab.com accounts because <laughs> you're not using uh, less specific or less secure passwords or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Pete uh, from the FAQ at uh, BusyMac, they ask, G Suite accounts will only allow access to apps with using OAuth. Does this affect BusyCal or BusyContacts? No, it does not. BusyCal and BusyContacts already use OAuth 2 to access your Google G Suite accounts. You wow. don't use or store your Google account password, so you're fine on BusyCal. Yeah, and that's or the you reason. Just need to change it. Yeah, that's the sure. reason for this, right? Is you know when when you log in and when an app has you log in with the OAuth thing, it never sees your password. You authenticate with, in this case, Google, and then Google shares a token with the app in question, and then st stores that token on their end too. Sure. So you can go and revoke that one token on the Google side and it would stop in this case, BusyCal from working, but BusyCal couldn't ever like log you in and, and do other things with your account because you've only given that token access to your calendars. It, when it requests it, it asks, and you see this come up on your screen. Sure. Google says, BusyCal's asking for access to your calendars. Do you want to grant that? And you say, yes, but it can't see anything it hasn't asked for and that you haven't granted. Uh, and it can't log in other things. Uh, so, so it is more secure. Like there's okay. there's good reason for all of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I yeah. like that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Shall we go to uh, to Jim? We shall. We shall. Jim writes in. He says, "I have a corporate issued M2 MacBook Air managed by Jamf. After an inline upgrade from Ventura to Sonoma, everything got real buggy. Uh, went through a number of steps, but engineering gave up and told me to nuke and pave." I've been faithfully using Time Machine with an external external two terabyte drive, so I figured this is no big deal. I install in the install iterations, Time Machine refused to restore the latest Sonoma backup before the downgrade. 
After getting a fresh Ventura install, Time Machine also refused to restore from any of the Ventura backups in recovery mode. It tells me I have I have to use Migration Assistant. Turns out, Migration Assistant just hangs at the setting up spinner, but never logs out. If I kill it, wind up with a cursor and desktop, but no other UI elements forcing me to do a hard reboot. I have two questions. How do I get my files on the existing Time Machine backup, and what other backup options should I use going forward? I'd be happy with an occasional clone that unmounts the drive after completing a daily backup. I've used CCC, Carbon Copy Cloner, before, but you guys talk like it's less less useful than before. Work won't buy any apps, so I'd like something as close to free as possible. Yeah, so I've never had great luck restoring to a downgrade. I've done it and I talked about it on this show because I wanted to prove Apple wrong when they said they hadn't broken core audio in uh, Ventura. But they had, and I proved it. They, of course, never acknowledged it. Good news. It was magically fixed in Sonoma, and they never said anything about it. So, right, you're welcome, Apple. I've done it. But what I will point out is, like, you could force your system to accept all of this if you really try hard. But a lot of things, namely Apple's apps, like mail and photos and contacts and things like that, won't work because their data stores are from the, like you can't run the new version of mail or photos on the old version of Mac OS. You might be able to run the new version of say busy Cal on the old version of Mac OS. So those apps work fine when you sort of downgrade, but Apple's apps don't because those apps are part of the OS install. And it's for that reason that trying to do a migration assistant or really any of that from you know, newer to older is it's simply not going to work. Um, so you, you need to nuke and pave and start sort of manually bringing all of these things in. You can open up your time machine drive, right? You, you know, time machine backups are navigatable in the finder and they are navigatable in the finder for this exact reason so that you can just, double click on them and open them up and you you will see a list of all of the backup dates pick either the most recent one or maybe even one that predates your upgrade and try and pull from there if that exists but it's going to be a bit of a a, a manual chore doing this my advice is to uh, it, when i when i did this I realized, okay, I can't keep my, like, there's no way I'm going to be able to recover the mail from my backup to this machine without a lot of sort of really manual, like, extracting from individual folders. And the same would have been true with photos. I use iCloud Photo Library, so I just start, I nuked and paved, and I start, let photos start from scratch, and it pulled it down. I use IMAP Mail uh, exclusively on this computer, and so I just let, it, I logged it into my mail account and let it pull everything back down from the cloud and rebuild the library with the, you know, with the older version of the OS. And, uh, and, and that all worked fine, but that, that like I, I did Adam or Pete, have either of you, would you, would you do anything differently? I guess is, is the question. Yeah, Adam. I have a, I have a question. I mean, I've never, I've never had to downgrade. Yeah. I've never done downgrades like this, but 
would the handy dandy, hey, there's extra features when you hold down the option key trick work if you wanted to restore files mm-hmm. the time machine way. Because if you go to your time machine icon and you hold down the option key, so normally you click on the icon and it says browse time machine backups. If you hold down the option key, it says browse other backup disks. So if you have an attached backup disk, you can point time machine at that old time machine. This is a great way too. if like we had that conversation a while back where people have said, uh, I got a new time machine. How do I migrate my stuff over? You know, my answer is keep your old time machine disk and just set up the new one as new. And then you can always plug that back in and go back and rebrowse it if you need to get something off that old time machine backup. And that's how you do it. You hold down the option key, you get browse other backup disks, you can point it at another, and then it gives you the time machine interface. You can go to whatever folder directory and yeah, yeah. do the normal time machine restore that way. So that might be a way to do it. You know, the finder can be a little bit tricky because it's like weird how things are broken up and like finding stuff. I I I don't like just going in and browsing my time machine disk from the finder because it feels confusing to me at least. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fair. Yeah, yeah. We always talk about that option key and how often do we not follow our own advice? I mean, right? Oh, no, that. I'm, I'm, that's why I love doing this show. Yeah. yeah, we we all learn. And then <laughs> here's yep. the other cool thing about that. Holding down the option key on the time machine icon, you have the option to verify backups. And isn't that one of the big complaints about time machine, that the backup is corrupted? and It doesn't do as much of the verification as you would want it to do. Yeah, but yeah, probably not. But, but it does it's, some. It's better than nothing, right? Yeah, correct. I mean, yeah. Correct. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think, somebody please correct me if I'm wrong, feedback at MacGeekUp.com. Uh, I think if you verify backups, it verifies that the backup is readable, not that the contents of the backup match what's on your disk. Okay. So and you want to send that to feedback at MacGeekUp.com? I guess. Yeah, feed, feedback at keycap.com. I guess. The, the, other, the other question I had is like... <laughs> I love, I love is, how Adam plays into the shtick, but clearly doesn't... Doesn't like, want to. It's not part of his deal. That's right. <laughs> it's No, it's perfect. I love it. I've, I've waited to acknowledge it for several weeks here because it's just perfect. <laughs> I'm the straight man. I know. That's how it goes. <laughs> Um, All right, you idiots, I'll play along. Okay. Feedback about about downgrading, especially if you nuke and pave, what I don't, I guess I, and this may be too long. Maybe we don't have time to go into it, but feedback at MacGeekGab.com if you know the answer to this. What about the downgrade, especially if you've nuked and paved, would cause Time Machine not to operate normally? Like, it would think you have a brand new clean system and you're just restoring from your time machine backup. Well, like, yeah, but you're restoring from a time machine backup that was made from a newer version of the OS, at, at least in Jim's case here. That's the oh, issue. Oh, so it had already, time machine had already kicked in and on and the new one. New, Correct. Uh, okay, at least so that's the part I missed. That's, that's my working missed. assumption. Yeah. Again, you know, I can only go with what I've assumed or what I've interpreted. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there may be another tip there is when you are upgrading, and I, I, maybe that's why I, I usually do this. I don't, I disconnect my time machine back up and upgrade and make sure everything's working and before reset yeah. up time machine. You know, yeah. <laughs> we're in our 19th year of this show. That, I believe, is the first time that practice has ever been mentioned. And yet... Every single time I'm going, I'm doing an upgrade. I do one last time machine backup. 
I do one last carbon copy cloner, you know, clone of the data volume, whatever's possible in that with that OS. And then I physically disconnect the disk to which I'm doing that. And I leave it that way, sometimes to my detriment for weeks, you know, and then finally it's like, oh, crap, that's right. CCC's not running. I got to reconnect it and tell it to go again and all that, you know, like, but I, but I do it for exactly that reason. And we've never talked about it. I, no, it's just never, I never thought about it. It's the brilliant way to operate. And I think that the price of drives, it's worth getting an external drive, doing a CCC backup, getting a Sharpie pen, writing it on there and setting it on the shelf. Yep. And go back if you need yeah, it later. I was going to say many times I have just, you know, in advance bought a new drive. Like I know the new operating system is coming out. Just buy a new one terabyte drive that I use temporarily in that week or two for time machine backups. And the only one I don't change is I always leave my, um, my backblaze running. So I like, I have backblaze if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. I, I, uh, another way of doing this and I don't, do this as often as I probably uh, would 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 think I would want to uh, is I have a lot of storage on my NAS. I have a folder in my NAS archive folder that I call cold storage. And anytime I am decommissioning a Mac, I will make a a, a, a disk image of that Mac and put it in cold storage. And I never delete those. And then that way I know that like if I get a new you know, if I, I, you know, when I got my new laptop and I was going to give my old laptop to my wife, yeah, I, I migration assistant it over, but I know that it's possible something might not be copied. So I imaged it and put it in cold storage. And then that way I'm free immediately after rolling to the new Mac to nuke and pave the old one and give it to Lisa. Right. Like I have no yep. concerns about, well, I probably want to leave that around for a little while just in case. Nope. There's no just in case. It's like I already did the just in case easily could do that same thing before major version upgrades of Mac OS. And, and that way you're not dedicating an SSD to it. You don't need to figure out which SSD can I do this on. You just put it on your disk station. If you've got a NAS or, you know, some, some big pile of data drive and just use disk. I just use disk utility to create a disk image and save it over there. That's it. Yep. So that's great. That That's like my carbon copy not my carbon copy cleaner, my chronosync archives that we've talked about before. I mean, yep. I, that's the same piece of mine I do those for, but that's a great tip. All right. You know, when you get cornered by that aunt at a family gathering and you feel like you have to bend the truth a little, you know, the one who asks like when you're getting married or what's going on with that promotion at work or why you still haven't moved out of your mom's basement, like things that aren't really her business. And then, after you answer, she just doesn't really listen and just judges you, right? Well, while you might have to grin and bear it with your family, there's no reason to feel that way when talking with your doctor about that rash that weirdly looks like your high school crush, you know. Enter ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable and actually listen to you. And we're not talking about a few we're talking about tens of thousands of doctors, all with verified patient reviews, so you can make sure the vibes are vibing before you ever meet in real life. With ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. 
Once you find the doc you want, you can book immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist, etc. And all these docs have verified reviews from actual real patients. You can filter for who you want, your insurance, all of those things. I've used ZocDoc, and I think you're going to love it. So go to ZocDoc.com slash MGG and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash M-G-G, ZocDoc dot com slash M-G-G. Download the ZocDoc app for free. And our thanks to ZocDoc for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's, uh, we still have some more questions here, so let's, let's keep rolling with that. Adam, uh, you, yep. Yep. You want to take us to Steve? He's got, actually, he's got a great little tip for us, is really what it is. Yeah. I like how he starts it. I am a MacCast refugee and I've been perusing back episodes of your show. I like that. Thank you for that. Thanks for coming over. Uh, in episode 110 at 1257, there was a tip to use Touch ID for pseudo auth and ten ten talk just ten ten. Oh, sorry, didn't want to rewind us. You know, eighteen years. So (laughs) ten ten at twelve fifty seven. Dave was talk started talking about using weak passwords to make it easier, which I realize was mostly tongue in cheek. However, there's an easy way to stop pseudo from prompting you for the passwords if you're so inclined, and you edit your sudoers file. Uh, you find a line that reads, uh, you know, we'll put this in the show notes. Show notes, yeah, yeah. Percent admin all equals all all and all in parentheses, but you know, it's it's complicated. Basically, you go into that little command, you add after the all equals parentheses all no p p a s s w d no password colon, and uh, then sudo will no longer prompt you or any users in the admin group for their password. Uh, he then goes on to say he prefers uh, vi sudo command for editing the sudoers file, which is vi. You need to know vi. This is all nerdy Unix uh, command line stuff. But it's you know, hard you know. to edit the sudoers <laughs> file without vi sudo. You can do yeah. it, but you have to be authenticated in exactly the right way. So, like th- this, if you're using sudo enough that you would want to do this, you probably either already understand enough about vi to get yourself in and out of it or it's time to understand enough about vi to get yourself in and out of it yeah and then i appreciate his last comment here there are certain risks that come with this but i think it's less risky than using weak passwords uh you know again both both things Uh like i said i'm assuming it was tongue-in-cheek dave when you said to use weak passwords maybe not um well it it may have been but it's what i do so <laughs> <laughs> there's what we do and then what, what we, what we advise, what we should. Correct. Yeah. yeah Again, yeah, yeah. I've said this many times. Security comes down to a very personal thing. What are you willing to, what risks are you willing to take or not take? And everybody kind of has to make their own choices about this. For me personally, like on this, I don't do either of those things. I'm happy for the few times that I need to put in an admin password or something like that to just happily do that. Yep. But that's my choice. Yes. You make your choice. Great tip and and uh, great great comment nonetheless. But, yep. Yeah. Yep. All right, we have uh we have a question from Gary who uh, is asking about what's happening with the Apple Watch Ultra 2 and Apple Watch 9 and the O2 sensors that are in them. Now, they're not the only Apple Watches with O2 sensors, but they are the only currently for sale as new Apple watches with those O2 sensors. And in the news, 
there's been uh it, you know they were taken off the the shelves just before christmas because of this lawsuit from an italian company that uh whose patent on uh, o2 sensors probably in some way infringes or apple's use of it infringes on their thing and so apple has announced some future plans about how they're going to disable the O2 sensors in the Ultra 2 and Series 9 watches that are sold going forward. And Gary asks, will Apple issue a software update to remove the O2 sensors from previously sold models? Should we avoid updates on our Apple watches? P? So, uh, yeah. So I thought, wow, I'm not going to update. And then yesterday on... um uh, Mac OS Ken so talked about Mac rumors. To be clear, everything we're sharing is what we know as of the moment we're recording this, which is January 19th. So, And I'm about please. to muddy the waters, brother, because I just, <laughs> just as you were talking on the last question, I said, yeah, let me see if there's any others to yeah. back this up. And now it's saying that, that so feedback at MacGeekGap.com or on our Discord channel live chat, if any of you have updated the 10.3, uh, uh, watch OS 10.3 on, can you tell us whether it killed it or not? Because I found an article that said it's going to kill it. That was a day ago. So we don't know whether it's going to kill the uh, blood oxygen sensing capability on the current watches with the new OS. Is it killing it? I know that they're selling the new watches with the, with no ability, even though the sensor is physically in there If and the app is still on the watch. If you tap it, it takes you to the health app with, explanations and other avenues to go down and then i just found out why in reading that why my son's apple watch 8 was broken he couldn't get an ecg and he couldn't get the blood sensor to work and we thought well that that functionality just didn't work on the watch if you're under 18 those apps won't work for you they're inhibited by apple yes wow right and I kind of understand that, you know, that the lawyers got involved in that. Yeah, so, oh, no, yeah. We don't want to do that. Um, I'd be interested to know now that my son is over 18 and he got a new watch for Christmas. Does his stuff work? I bet it does. Um, he was 18 when Christmas rolled around, so it, it probably worked from the beginning. But Okay. All right. But uh, so, yeah. So, like I said, I, I'm sorry. I just muddied the waters. I don't know. Uh, Mac Rumors, Mac OS Ken all said, look, if you've got a watch with that functionality in it, the, the update is not going to remove that. And then I saw a couple articles. And one is a, behind a paywall. It just was the teaser. They had to read further. And I'm like, I can't read any further. But the teaser was that the fu- the update was going to remove that functionality. So interesting. Um, so Warren 10.3 is at this moment in time still only available in beta. And uh, uh, okay. Warren in our chat says in the latest beta, again, as of this moment, he still has that option. So okay. we, we will okay. stay tuned, right? Keep your yeah. eyes peeled on the news and, and it, it, like wait to do that update. Maybe take this moment to turn off automatic updates on your Apple Watch so that you aren't one of the first testing this if you don't want to be one of the first testing right. this. Right, because I'll tell you what, especially those of you out there that fly light civil aircraft, this is a huge function. Oh, yeah. You're up at 10, 11, 12,000 feet. You can measure your blood saturation. It, it, 
Would I rely yeah. on it to, to save my life? Probably not, but it's a good indicator that, hey, you know, I'm only reading 85%. Oh, yeah, I'm a little loopy here. I probably need to descend. Yep. So it's, uh, it's not, it shouldn't be your primary and sole indicator, but it's a clue. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, yeah. and, and in aviation, a clue bird strike will save your life. Oh, there you go. All right. I know we have very limited time because of uh, some scheduling stuff here, but I do want to share a note that or a, a, a discord chat that happened. Darth Sepulba, Sepulba, sorry, uh, asked and said, I have an old Intel MacBook Pro that starts having graphics issues for a few hours after running games. Has anyone I, su- I suspect it's a heat issue. Has anyone found a good free piece of software for showing the internal temps of the graphics and the CPU. And of course, you know, I think iStat menus because yep. that's what I use, but that's not free. It is included in setup if you have it. But the chat from this evolved and told me about some apps that I had no idea existed. The first one, if you like the way iStat menus looks, you might even like this first one better it is available on GitHub and it's called Stats. It's from Exelban, E X E L B A N on GitHub. And we'll, of course, put a link in the show notes. But it looks a lot like iStat menus and, in fact, is a little more compressed in its view. I'm thinking of switching to this on my laptop, uh, at least to test for a little while. But it very much inspired by iStat menus, which, of course, was inspired by a free app which was our very first cool stuff found years and years ago called menu meters. Remember that last from the past. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so that's, that's this one. That's Exelban's stats, which is of course linked in the show notes. And then there's one called Fanny, uh, which is uh, at fannywidget.com, which will show you just the temperatures of your GPU and CPU, as well as the speed of your fans. So, uh, and I think you can okay. do some control of the fan speed. Um, so, and then, and then there's a third one called hot, which is available on GitHub. We've talked about this one on the show before where it shows you it, it's, it's really focused on the, uh, the, 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 you know, the temperatures and the speeds of the fans and that sort of thing, the CPU sensors. So we'll put all three of those out there, but I'm, I'm excited about this stats thing. I, I never heard about that one before. So, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Menu meters is dead, isn't it? Dave? Oh, menu meters is dead. I think years ago when we did episode a thousand or nine ninety nine or something, yeah. I I went and looked just because I was feeling nostalgic, and there was like someone that had rewritten menu meters to sort of work again. I don't know. I have some memory of that, but I don't. I don't know. Okay. I don't, my memory sucks. So, you know, that's why I have computers to remember these things for me. <laughs> I've had iStat for so long. I I wanted to go check the price just because I was curious. It is uh, twelve bucks for a single license and fifteen bucks for a family license. So if you do want to go commercial uh, and pay for one, it's great. Uh, I've been using it for years, and that's not too bad. No. And the nice part about paying for software is that there's a greater chance of it of its longevity. Uh, is really the way I'll, I'll say that, but you know, it, as long as the person who's making stats still wants to use stats for themselves, then it too will continue, right? Like, you know, if, if, if it's to scratch an itch and, and stats was last updated on GitHub, it looks like five days ago. So, you know, yeah, 
The same is true for podcasts. That is true. Right? I yeah. mean, you pay for podcasts by visiting our sponsors. Yeah. And we've got some amazing donors, so thank you to them, too. Yeah. Yeah, yep. that's that's how you keep this show going. Because uh, if this was coming out of your pocket for nineteen years, I'm thinking it may not still be here. Yes, that's that's fair. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, we love doing it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But uh, yeah. but yeah, it we need to you know cover, cover our time and expenses and all of the things. So Adam, we got to figure out somehow to get Adam, you know, to be able to pay for this uh, this this yeah. Apple Vision Pro, whatever the heck it is, 4K. So you know. 4K. Maybe that's why the price is what it is. It's so that you know you that it's you're getting rich 4K uh, value out of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> Thank you for hanging out with us, folks. Thank you for sending in all your tips and your questions. That is another way that you support the show for sure. You support the show by listening. You support the show by sharing it with your friends. All of these things really do help. And then, yeah, visiting our sponsors for sure. Uh, whether you buy that's between you and them. It's our job to get you to to convince you to go take a look. And so hopefully we've done that. And, of course, you can find links to the sponsors in the show notes at MacGeekUp.com. And you can have those delivered to your email. And, of course, you get more than just the links to the sponsors. You get the link to everything, including, like, stats that we just talked about. So I said we weren't going to do cool stuff found. And yet, mm, was that was that the coolest stuff that we might have found this week? Maybe. Right. Thank you so much. Uh, thanks to Cashfly for providing all the bandwidth to get the show from us to you. Uh, visit MacGeekUp.com slash sponsors to, to see the, the, all the sponsors from this episode and recent episodes. Because Adam wrote a cool thing for the website that does that. So might as well check it out. See his handiwork, folks. Thank you so much. We will see you next week. None of us have it on our T-shirts, so uh, I'm just going to have to guess at three words of advice to share with both of you and all of you. And that is, folks, make sure you don't get caught. Made on a Mac. Ne vous lasez pas, Pont. That's five words in French. <laughs> Later.